This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Could we be jumping back on the Cincinnati Bengals bandwagon? Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. First of all, let's just, let's do this. Let's do that. This is for you. Joe, are we are we recording? Are we are we taping this? Joe, 100% right. Could not have been more right on this game if you tried on a very difficult matchup. My guy drilled this one between the eyes. So good. Anything you have to say to pat yourself on the back or is that cover it? Not much. Not much. I I would love to sit here and tout. I really would. And I think Please back tout, to... Please, tout. I, I, I can't. I had way too much money on Tyson Fury winning that fight by knockout. Well, come on now. Right come back on. down to earth, Carlin. Every time you build Joe Fortenball up, he makes a mistake that brings him right back down to earth. But I will say that I did notice how many producers were setting up that for me to fail with the whole one guy's been saying the Bengals are going to win. One guy's been picking an upset. It's been in every sounder, every promotion. Part of me just wanted to win that game to save face on the radio network. Well, it's not to save face. It's to stick it to everybody else. It was a great pick. I mean, good God, no one was picking the Bengals to win that game. Everyone told me. I talked to a bookmaker here last week who was like, I love the Niners. It scared me a little bit. We talked about that on Friday's show. I said I was hot on this until I heard that. Now suddenly I'm starting to... I'm starting to think I need to dial back the wager a little bit. But no, they they were wonderful. They were absolutely wonderful in that game. There's nothing you can say about that game in which you can take anything away from how well Cincinnati played on both. Operative word, both sides of the football. All right. There is something to me that is just amazing that we have not seen in football that is happening right now. How is Joe Burrow healing while playing football because that is remarkable joe when we were watching him the first few games of the year it was you got to shut this guy down what's going on here you got to get him healthy and yet while i don't think it's gone completely week to week he's getting closer and closer and it doesn't seem like it's an issue anymore because boy yesterday joe burrow looked like joe burrow in every single way and I know what I'm saying when I say this. I'm talking about in manner of demeanor, in manner of of the way he carries himself, and in manner of never getting too high or too low. He's Joe Montana. Like, he is, he is that level of thinker and that level of leader who just carries himself a certain way and is completely... I don't know in really since that senior year at LSU that we have seen Joe Burrow ever truly rattled. No. he's a, You hear about this every year when we go through the draft process, especially when it comes to the quarterbacks. At some point, someone will mention the, quote, it factor. Joe Burrow is the living embodiment of the it factor. So if you've ever wondered what that meant, when, when evaluators, Mel Kuyper, when these guys are talking about the it factor, what's the it factor? It's Joe Burrow. It's just the ability to be unflappable at all times. The game is never too fast for him. The moment is never too overwhelming. He's just cool. He understands it. He understands that there's probably more to life, that he is not going to get wrapped up in this panic 
and make a bad decision. Sure, he'll make mistakes. He's human. But it's not because it's going to be the moment was too big for him. He's nice. He's calm. He's composed. He's everything you want in a franchise quarterback. The big spot doesn't phase him. He's got all the leadership qualities. I mean, for crying out loud, against one of the best defenses of the last decade, he completed 28 of 32 passes yesterday. I mean, this is how you come off a bye week. They committed one penalty. They had one turnover. They weren't at home against the Bears. They were on the road against San Francisco. They looked fantastic. And I tried to tell you a few weeks ago, you think my magnum opus was picking the Bengals in the upset over over San Francisco. We tried to tell you Cincinnati was 15-1 to to win the AFC. We've seen this in each of the last two years. Two years ago, they started 5-4. and They were a middling team that went to the Super Bowl and had a chance to win it. Last year, they started 2-3. and People thought, oh, here we go with the Super Bowl hangover. Boom, they're right back in the AFC championship game on the road at Arrowhead with a chance to win it. Now take a look around. They've won three straight. They just beat the Niners in San Francisco. Burrow appears healthy. They're still 10 to 1 to win the AFC. It's not as if the AFC is stacked with teams that don't have flaws. Kansas City just went down to Denver. Jacksonville's hot right now, but who knows what they'll look like deep in the postseason. The Ravens have been iffy at times. Consistency's an issue. And Miami and Buffalo have both shown weaknesses this year. Who's to say Cincinnati can't just do what they've been doing each of the last few years, get into the playoffs and make a run? They are one of the only teams in the business that can get it done without having home field advantage, without having an extra week of prep. They are that good. They are that unflappable. I I, I don't agree. I mean, I agree on the unflappable part. I'm still not 100% sold on being able to do this yet again and climbing out of this hole because the schedule is, it's not brutal, but it's not easy by any stretch. This was a massive, massive win on that front. Uh, at 10 to 1, are you jumping on that? I, I played at 15 to 1. 15 to 1. And it, yeah. this is always a question that comes up on Daily Wager as well. It's like, well, we know you played it, but would you play it now? I'd still get involved. I'd yeah. get involved for a little bit. 4 and 3 is their record. Now, people will look at the AFC North and say, well, Ford and Ball, they're on the bottom of the AFC North. Really, they're tied with Cleveland and they're tied with Pittsburgh. They're going to move past those two teams. They will get past them. 4 and 3 is better than every team but Jacksonville in the South and better than every team but Kansas City in the West. So that's six teams right there sitting behind them. It's better than New England. It's the same record as the Jets, but are we concerned it's that the Jets the are better thing. than the Bengals? No. The, the record they they're like each other in record only. Buffalo's 5 and 3. They've shown some issues. Miami's 6 and 2. They're very good. Baltimore's very good. If Baltimore goes on to win the division, so be it. They've already beaten Cincinnati. Right. And they've 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 put up a great record. But I don't need Cincinnati to grab a one seed or home field in order to navigate the playoffs. I think 10 to one's a good price. I thought 15 to one was a great price. We've seen this from them before. Yesterday, what I think yesterday cleared up some issues. Do we still believe Joe Burrow's hurt? Because so many of us didn't like him because of his injury. If he's not injured anymore, it's a completely different narrative. Well, I'm reading Peter King this morning, and he says, listen, it's much, much better than it was, but make no mistake, there's still something going on there. All right. So that's still a thing. But let me ask you this, and I don't love doing this, but in this instance, I'm going to do it. Because is 10 a number that you were comfortable with with the Bengals getting into the playoffs? 10 wins. 10 win, like if they win 10 games do they get into the playoffs yeah is that a is that a number that you would put at in order to make the playoffs definitively the Bengals have to win 10 games 
It feels about right. Yeah, without okay. having gone through all the permutations, I right. would say yes. Win so 10 me, games and you should get in. Let me just throw these games at you. You tell me over the next nine if they're going six and three. Okay. Am I answering after each game? Because we always have to throw the parameters out there. Uh, sure. Or just you read it off and then I'll give you the answer. Yes. Okay. All right, so they got to go six and three. Read it off. Buffalo at home. That is Sunday night football. Okay, so we're, we already got ourselves confused. So you want me to answer after each one of these? Yes, I thought you were doing that. Buffalo, Buffalo at, home, at home, yeah, they can win that. Okay. Houston at home, they can obviously yeah. win that. At Baltimore, Thursday night. Good one. Big rematch. Thursday night, I'd say loss, but it's not going to surprise me in the least if Baltimore finds a way to lose that. But Thursday night on the road, very tough spot. Pittsburgh at home. Win. At Jacksonville, Monday night. Great matchup. Great matchup there. I'll give them, I'll give them the win, but like the Baltimore game in reverse, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. Indianapolis. That's a, wow, that's a good Monday night game. That is a good Monday night game. That is December 4th. Indianapolis. Okay. Yeah, that's a, they can win that. Minnesota at home. Yeah, that's a win. At Pittsburgh. You can win that one, too. At Kansas City. Let's chalk that up as a loss. Cleveland at home. Tough one. I'd say win because I don't know what's going to happen with Watson, but that one's TBD. So you've got them right there at 10 wins. You've got them right there. Yeah. And there's some that I gave them that I could see going the other way, and there's some I didn't give them that I could see going their way. So there's going to be a fun team to monitor throughout the season. And then you could get to a point where some of these games that think that look like toss-ups, we might throw that out the window. Now, we might is, throw them out the window if these guys get hot. Now, quickly, there is one differing opinion on this, and I want to get to this from Canty this morning on Unsportsmanlike, that the win yesterday for the Bengals actually told him more about the 49ers than it did about Cincinnati. Handman, hit it. I can't hit it. This is awkward. I think yesterday told us more about the 49ers than it did about the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow being healthy is great. That's new information, and maybe we might view them through a slightly different lens, but I'm still wait. I'm in wait-and-see mode with the Cincinnati Bengals. Right now, I think you got to break glass in case of emergency for the 49ers. That's how dire I think the situation is. They got to get guys back healthy and they got to do a hard reset in terms of getting back to what made this team one of the most unstoppable forces in football over the last five weeks, first five weeks. See, I hate this. I hate this because I love him and his credibility goes leaps and bounds beyond mine when we're talking about the NFL. But I hate this because we're, we're, we're taking that win away from them. Last week, no one wanted to say Cincinnati was going to go there and win that game. And then they go there and do it, and we immediately find a reason to say, well, it's not so much them winning, it's the Niners losing. Both things can be right. He's right. There's issues with the Niners, but you got to give Cincinnati credit for winning that game. And they didn't just win it like the Jets beat the Giants. They hammered the Niners in that game. Hammered them both sides of the ball. God, I love Canty. And I, I, that my credibility doesn't stack up to his, but come on. Joe what do t- I do here? Joe to Canty, take it elsewhere. <laughs> That's the headline I took from that. Carla Sell that down the street. <laughs> <laughs> Carlin versus Joe. Joe DeCanti, I don't care about your career. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe. ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. The Bengals are the hottest team in the AFC. The hottest team in the NFC has no chance to do anything this year. We'll tell you why next. I love the teases where I have no idea what we're talking about. It's next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Achilles injury and the severity of that, I do not know at this point, but I know that's what our fear is in the moment, and we'll confirm that as soon as possible. There's no way around that. It just sucks for Kirk Cousins. It really does. Just having a pretty good year. You know, had really turned on the, I don't want to say turned on the likability factor, but it was it was there. You looked at Kirk Cousins a little bit differently since the whole quarterback uh, documentary that was done on him and Patrick Mahomes and Marcus Mariota by Netflix. I thought it was fantastic uh, done by Omaha Productions. And you, you get a little bit more of a sense of the guy and how, how important his family is to all of it. And then, I mean, there's, there is a degree of irony to it that it happens a day before the trade deadline because he had, you know, basically indicated he didn't really want to go anywhere unless it was a very special situation. And now the Minnesota Vikings, who had found some reasons for optimism this season, are turning to Jalen Hall unless they make some uh, make a move before tomorrow. I felt awful for Cousins yesterday when the news came down that he tore his Achilles. I mean, don't feel too bad. If he calls Aaron Rodgers, he could be back in probably two weeks. Uh, if right? he calls yeah, Aaron Rodgers' doctors, you know, and that just means Aaron Rodgers, his doctors are Aaron Rodgers, uh, that he would be exactly just drink this and it'll yeah. all be healed. You should be ready to play this week, Cousins. I don't know what we're talking about here, but uh, the, the jokes aside, he, he was having a fantastic season. He's been playing well the last few years in Minnesota, and that's despite changes at the head coaching position, changes at his offensive coordinator position. He's been given some weapons, and he's put up some numbers. And he takes a lot of heat 
I've given it to him at times about his inability to get the job done in prime time or in the playoffs, but he slowly erased that prime time narrative. You know, the last couple of years, he had a big primetime game against the Niners and he lit them up. And the only reason they even came close to losing that game was Kevin O'Connell got really scared late in that game and went ultra conservative, but they still found a way to pull it off. So ultimately it's a terrible thing to see happen. Hopefully he finds his way back. The rehab goes well. And whether he signs with Minnesota next year or gets a fresh start with a new team, you know, people will be pulling for him. I think he's been a very good story. He's performed at a very high level. So you wish him nothing but the best moving forward here. It is astonishing to be able to say that he has never missed a game because of injury in his 12-year career. Now, he sat out a game against Green Bay in 21 because of uh, COVID-19. But other than that, because of an injury, has never missed time. So here's O'Connell on what the plan is now that they don't have Kirk Cousins. In my mind, I think we've got to take a look at potentially all the options, including building the best possible group around Jaron, um, knowing that uh, you know we're going to continue. Uh, to build a complete offense, you know, based upon a lot more than just the quarterback. But but I will say, previously on Monday night and today on third down, you know, Kirk was absolutely fantastic, and you know, just just hurts to know that that, that uh, he's not more than likely going to be able to continue uh, progressing forward on what has really felt like maybe his best season as a pro. So does that now? I would think over the next 24 hours, start to change what their approach might be. I mean, you can't feel like Jaron Hall's going to walk in the door and lead the Vikings to the postseason. But having said that, your next few games are Atlanta, New Orleans, Green Bay, the Bears, the Raiders. I mean, that's that is something within which you can work if you're trying to sneak into a wild card. I don't think it's going to happen, but I guess my question is, Joe, would that tra- change your mind here when it comes to a player like Daniil Hunter before the end of the deadline. The Minnesota Vikings are stuck in what I like to call professional sports purgatory, PSP. That's where they are right now, PSP. There's no way up, there's no way down. They blew it. They came into this season thinking something they were not. They middled away and won some games they shouldn't have. They lost some games they shouldn't have if they were going to be a contender. And now they're 4-4 four and four through eight games. They've lost their quarterback whose contract expires after the season. They've got a soft schedule coming up, but we know they'll probably blow some of those games, win some of those games. And when all is said and done, they're going to find themselves right in the middle of the draft, too far away from getting a quarterback who can make a difference next year. That's where they are. And I understand teams are going to go into a season and they're not going to say we're going to tank off this year because it's going to create a lousy culture and because we're going to be built on losing. And there's a lot there that can cause a problem. I completely get that. But right now, what's the plan in Minnesota? You're going to start trading away some guys. You had a guy you could have traded away in Kirk Cousins. You had one. You didn't want to do it. That's fine. So now what? Now because he's hurt, that changes everything. Now you're going to start moving the key players. And then what? What are you going to do with Jefferson when he comes back? Is he going to sit? Is he going to play? Are we going to risk injury to the star player player of the franchise? What's the plan for next year? Are you going to give up a bunch of assets to move up and get a quarterback? Are you going to keep O'Connell? What are you going to do? It's one of those organizations right now where you look at them and you say, I don't worry about you causing any problems to me, the contender, anytime in the near future, because you don't even know what you want right now. You didn't know what you wanted four weeks ago. You didn't know what you wanted two days ago. You don't know what you want today you're going to be stuck in the middle 
And the middle is the worst place to be in professional sports. Well, what really kills them is how easy this schedule is. If yes. it was a little bit more hard, you could firmly justify going in the tank. I mean, right now, Joe, they're four and four, and they would have the twentieth pick in the draft. They're, they're not going to go four and thirteen. They're not going to drop nine in a row. No. Now, they get to late in the year. Their last four games are pretty tough with Cincinnati, Detroit twice, and Green Bay in there. But they just beat Green Bay. And uh, listen, I think it's very hard to be where they are right now. They're going to have to trade away a ton of assets if they want to at the moment, where I would argue that you need to be more realistic about your situation in the league. You really do. Now, let let me ask you this question. They lose those first few games, right? They started the season 0-3 and 1-4. Should they then have made the decision and talked to Kirk about what they wanted to do? Because at least one or two takers would have been there. If you're realistic about what you are and where you're headed, that's when the door is still open to tank it if you need to. That door was still open, and I would argue that right now it's shut. You're not going to get a pick that I, I – maybe you'll get a pick in the top ten if things go so badly with Jaron Hall. But, like, what is there to try to ride this out here? There's nothing. There, there's, there's nothing. There's nowhere for them to go. They can try to tank it out, but 4-13 and 13 probably isn't going to get you a top two pick, unfortunately. Other teams are going to see what you're doing. You don't think Arizona has this thing mapped out? They're really competitive and losing every week. It's like the ultimate scenario. Like every week they go out there and they put up a fight. They put up a great evaluation, a great tape to go back and study of who's playing, who's not, and then they end up losing. Like there are too many good quarterbacks coming out to try to go ahead and tank the day before Halloween when you've already won four of your eight games. They're just stuck right now. They're stuck. What likely happens here, I don't know, Cousins re-signs on a one-year deal next season, and they're right back where they started. Right back where they started. I don't know what else could possibly be done. I would have to imagine they did talk to Cousins at some point. I really do. But the problem for Minnesota was that they came into the season with unrealistic expectations. They won 13 games last year, and they thought that was legit. It wasn't legit. Anybody with a basic understanding of basic analytics could have told you that team wasn't as good as the record indicated, and they were probably going to regret regress. And they're 4-4, four and four, but eh, where are you going to go? Right? Like last year, how long did it take for them to lose four games? This year, they lost it well before. Well before we got anywhere near that point last year. So, I don't know. If you're that organization right now and you go in the tank, what kind of message does that send up? Because if you end up with the sixth pick, who cares? Collectively with the Giants and the Vikings and teams like that, and they come off that kind of year that they had last year, losing perspective on what you are is very, very dangerous. And that's exactly what's happened for both those teams. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. In moments, you may think that Mike McCarthy is not a good head coach, but there is one thing that he is really good at. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. Enough is enough. I have had it with these takes on this play. Everybody strap in. This plane is headed down the runway and ready for the NFL takeoff. You're damn right it is. By the way, initially this was based on the movie Face Off, which was on last night. And my, I don't know if you know this, Nicolas Cage tends to overact a bit sometimes. Oh, you just think so? A little bit. You know what I'd describe it as? Chewing on the scenery. That's just me. <laughs> That's just me. All right, all right. Joseph, getting it done is brought to you by Granger, and guess who got it done? Cowboys 43, Rams 20. The Cowboys got it done yesterday. That was a game going in, Joe, that we talked about. That was a tougher game, at least on paper, than you might have thought initially. And I blinked, and it was 33-3. They were absolutely throttling the Rams throughout the course of that game. The Rams, for whatever you want to say, have offensive line problems, and that's being generous. At the same time, what a job by the Cowboys. C.D. Lamb had a career day on the day. Mike McCarthy now, I believe, 13-3-1 against the spread when coming off a bye week. This is exactly what the Cowboys needed to get back on track before they turn their attention to Philadelphia next week. Get in, get a win. Don't have it take up too much energy. Don't lose anyone physically to injury in the process. And then turn your attention to the biggest game of the season. They played really well. There was a lot to like about them. For the Rams, it was a nice story this year. But given the Stafford injury and everything that's happening, it looks like this season's going to get away from them. And I believe, Carlin, if they're sitting 3-5 and five right now, they have got to start turning their attention to the draft and what they're going to do at the quarterback position. We all like Matthew Stafford, but how much longer does he have in the NFL? I don't know, and I think that that number is dwindling by the day. This, frankly, could be it for Matthew Stafford. Meanwhile, uh, we should give Dak some love. 304 yards, four touchdowns, uh, and that was a big-time day. And uh, the Lamb numbers, 12 for 158 and two touchdowns. Amazing day, and as you said, uh, overall, not even against the spread, McCarthy, 12-5 and coming off the bye. Dolphins 31, Patriots 17. Look, give Miami credit. You know, Patriots were hanging in there for a while. And who made a big play for the Dolphins? Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey just back comes up with a huge pick. I believe it was right before the half. And that set them up pretty nicely. Jalen Waddell went for 7-121. and Jalen uh, Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, his fifth 
game over 100 yards. He's over 1,000 yards for the season already. Uh, schoolyard bullies back in action again. Great to see the Miami Dolphins beating up on an inferior opponent. We've seen it all year. They are extraordinary at dismantling average to below average teams. I don't care about that anymore. I've, I already know that. I'm well aware of it. It's fun to watch. It's fun that they covered the point spread. We know that. Mike McDaniel, Tua Tungavailoa, we already know that. You got Kansas City and Germany this week. You want to shut people like me up? Go win that game. Otherwise, the narrative will continue that you can't beat the good teams. I don't care at all about that game against New England. I care about the game against Kansas City. I I hesitate to do it, but I guess contractually we have to. Saints 38, Colts 27. Like, normally, I just would want to avoid this, right? But they actually put up points. Give the Saints credit. 511 yards of total offense and 38 points. Both season highs for the Saints. Derek Carr, over 300 yards for his third consecutive game. And even Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was a factor in this game with a couple of rushing touchdowns. Uh, Working backwards, Colts games, 65 points. 77 points, 57 points, 39 points, 52 points. You go to the beginning of the season, the first two games of the season, 52 points, 51 points. I I don't know where the hell this is coming from. I didn't think the Colts were going to be involved in USC, California shootouts every single weekend. Like, this is amazing. Like, last week it was 39-38 against the Browns. Nobody saw that coming. This week it's 38-27 against the Saints. I know it doesn't look pretty, but, I mean, if you're a fantasy player, if you bet overs in the prop market, you got to love these Colts games. Ah, Joseph, 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 Joseph. What about what happened in Tennessee? Titans 28, Falcons 23. This is why I can never take Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons even remotely seriously because Will Levis goes out there in his debut and throws for four touchdowns. They're bombs down the field, 19 of 29 for 238, and those four scores, two guys in NFL history with four touchdowns in their first career game, Fran Tarkenton and Marcus Mariota. Will Levis, you'll remember, fell to the second round. He was, little birdies told me, like after day one, Joe, he was ready to fire those agents. He was beyond livid, as you can imagine. But it does not matter after that. Once you get picked, that's all that matters. And he is clearly the Titans quarterback here for the foreseeable future as he continues to develop. I mean, great performance from Levis. I don't know what you're going to do with DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry at this point. If you want to continue to give this kid a shot to prove himself, you can't trade away his two top weapons. So Tennessee's got a lot of decisions to make over the next 24-plus hours. As for Atlanta, I mean, Grady Jarrett was lost for the season. That's a terrible blow to the team. Uh, Desmond Ritter is clearly not the guy. An announcement on that has to be coming soon. But this Falcons team looks like they're going to take a a good chunk of talent and find a way to squander it because they've got a lot of players on that team. What I thought was interesting there is that Ritter came out, apparently went through concussion protocol, protocol, but cleared it. They left Heineke in the game. So I think that tells you quite a bit. Panthers 15, Texans 13. I'm good. You? Good. Ravens 31, Cardinals 24. Hey, Ravens go on the road again. Uh, Cardinals are going to be able to put some points up here 
uh, when they need to. Uh, well, I shouldn't say when they need to. On occasion, it's more likely. And they did that, but the Ravens went and won against a road team, uh, against the team in the NFC. They're 6-2 and two through eight games for the fourth time in the last five seasons. And it just continues to speak to the consistency that they have. And I'll give you this, Joe. It's a take-care-of-business kind of game. And they took care of business. That's what you're supposed to do. And Gus Edwards, three rushing touchdowns. Unacceptable. Unacceptable performance on many levels. Lots of us counted on Baltimore to cover that spread. They had it under control. I don't know what they were doing late in that game. If you didn't see what happened, they were about a nine, nine and a half point favorite, depending on what you got. There's a whole back and forth scenario at the end of the game, but the Ravens get a stop on a two point conversion. They have a 10 point lead. There's less than two minutes to go in this game. It's pretty much over. 10-point lead, so they're covering the spread. They've got it under control. The Cardinals line up for the onside kick. It's a great onside kick. It takes a bounce. It goes right to number 15, I believe. Nelson Aguilar, everyone on earth is screaming, why is Aguilar on hands team? If there's anyone you don't want on hands team, it's Nelson Aguilar. He lets it bounce in front of him. He tries to grab it. He gets hit. It squirts loose. Arizona gets it. Arizona goes down the field. They kick a field goal to get it to seven points. Boom. On the next onside kick, Aguilar fields it. Thank God he's 50%. Thank God. 50% on hands team. Um, if you had Arizona, congratulations. If you had Baltimore, that, that John Harbaugh came up as a special teams coach. I cannot believe he has Nelson Aguilar on his hands team. I mean, think about it. There is an actual meme in Philadelphia from a guy that caught a baby from a burning building on the night of an Eagles game, and he said, yeah, he just dropped the baby and I was able to catch it, unlike Aguilar. (laughs) Like, that's the claim to fame for Nelson Aguilar, and John Harbaugh's like, yeah, we need this guy on hands team, and then they send him out there and he blows it. Like, if you can't make the play on hands team, get off hands team. Why would you keep the guy out there? (laughs) It's like, I don't know if you understand what the – idea behind hands team is it's like i don't know if you understand what the reservation means it means i have a reservation it's the most basic of concepts it's like showing up for a dinner party and there's no dinner where's the dinner yeah why did you think there'd be dinner what's a dinner party oh yeah there's no dinner it's hands team why'd you put a guy on it with no hands well why would we have it's only hands team not even heavy hors d'oeuvres i mean come on nothing with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. A really bad football team is blaming the officials for their loss. And that's rich. It's next on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming. FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Caught a little bit of confirmational breaking news. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And that is that Kirk Cousins underwent an MRI this morning at Twin Cities Orthopedics. 
Sounds like somebody that would be advertising locally on TV. Come by Twin Cities Orthopedics. Get that back straightened out for you. <laughs> uh, they confirmed that the Achilles on uh, Kirk Cousins was, in fact, torn. Timeline and details of his upcoming surgery are going to be determined this week. Uh, the team will continue to provide updates after they consult with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I added that last part myself in case you didn't know. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Joe, we're presented by Progressive Insurance, as we always are. I could not get over this from yesterday. I was blown away by this, and we have spent time. We actually asked a question last week. Pittsburgh Steelers, are you good at 4-2? and two? We got the answer yesterday. No, they're not good. In fact, they had benefited from officials in other games, including the previous week when the ball was a terrible spot late in the game against the Rams. In addition to a horrible pass interference call, the Steelers have benefited from bad officiating to be 4-2. and two. Here is Deontay Johnson after the game yesterday with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay, well, nobody said that cost us the game, like, yeah, I got to make plays, them two plays, them catches, whatever, but that don't define, you know what I'm saying, the whole thing. One more, guys. How about them missing the call on Kenny where he hurt his ribs, looked like he got across their nah, they wanted them to win. Like, they was calling. Everything was in their favor. Like, they were getting every little call. Like, but it is what it is. It is, Joe, one of the great conspiracy theories that has lived in the NFL since they came into the league in 1994. The league wants Jacksonville to win. Yeah. That's the market. <laughs> That's the market that you want to put in front of everyone. It's not like they're trying to move them to London or anything like that. For the last 20 years. Um, look, it, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to begin. I think, again, this is an example of you can look at Pittsburgh's record, see four and three, and say to yourself, all right, it's the Steelers. They're four and three. They'll bounce back. They're a good team. They're not a good, they're not a good no. team. We have to get this message across to people. They're not a good team, and that's okay. They've been good for a while. They've been one of the most consistently good teams in NFL history. It's just you've played seven games this year. You have been outgained in terms of total yardage in all seven games. There's not a single game you've played where you've recorded more yardage than the opponent. That's a problem. Through seven games, you've been outscored by a grand total of 34 points. That's a problem. So there's plenty they can build on. There's plenty to grow. But now's not a time where I want to hear about officials or things that just aren't breaking their way. They're not very good. And they've shown that throughout the course of the season. And I'm upset I didn't have more on Jacksonville yesterday because I knew that was a good one. And for some reason, I throttled back. And a win's a win. But damn it, sometimes you need to get greedy. And that was a spot where I should have been greedy. Well, look, even that aside, and I I do feel for you with that. I watched that game, and none of it was a surprise in any way, and none of it had to do with officiating in any way. The Steelers are just not that good. And, Joe, I really think I look back to last year and the wizardry that Mike Tomlin pulled to pull that team out of a 2-6 and six start and get them to finish with a winning record at 9-8 and eight was absolutely absurd, but... More so than the actual achievement itself, Joe, that actually hurt them coming into this season. I I really believe that the expectations took this massive jump because like, oh, well, look, last year we took a step forward after things didn't start well. This year, 
we're really going to get it together. You know, we lost T.J. Watt early in the season, and that hurt us for a while. No, 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 no. I think it's another case where a team has to look at itself a little bit more closely in the mirror and understand that while you might be right in the middle right now, you're actually not. And that should be how they're approaching the rest of this season. We did this earlier in going through the rest of the way to argue a way that you could see a 10-win season for Cincinnati, right? Right. I can't find it for Pittsburgh. No. They're 4-3. and three. I, I mean, they've got Cincinnati twice. They've got Cleveland. They've got a trip to Seattle, a trip to Baltimore in there in addition to Tennessee and Green Bay and, you know, Arizona and New England at home, I I, I don't see it. I, I can't – I'm looking more at eight and nine, and again, in the deadly middle, which is never where you want to be. What they need to be focused on first and foremost right now is what they're going to do about offensive coordinator and how they're going to develop Kenny Pickett. This is year two. Yeah. You are coming dangerously close – to being one of those teams that squanders the most precious resource in all of professional sports, which is the NFL quarterback on a rookie contract. This is going to be year two. You're not going to go anywhere with it. What are you going to do in year three? Because after year three is when you have to start making decisions on whether or not you're going to pick up the fifth-year option. What are you going to do down the line? Are you going to pick it up and then use a franchise tag? Are you going to give the guy a long-term deal? Like You're going to find yourself in Giants, Daniel Jones territory sooner rather than later. And the Matt Canada situation isn't getting any better. You are one of the worst offenses in the league, and you've got a lot of resources dedicated to that offense. It's not like what we saw with the Bears last night, all right? The Steelers made a lot of moves in free agency along the offensive line. Najee Harris was a first-round pick. Kenny Pickett was a first-round pick. They got receivers who can play. They got tight ends. They've got guys that can play, and the offense is doing nothing. By no standard should this offense be producing at the rate they're currently producing. So if Matt Canada is going to be gone at some point, whatever they're going to do, they need to figure that out fast, or they're going to find themselves right where the New York Giants were, stumbling around with their quarterback, wondering, well, he might be good enough, so maybe we'll kind of do this, and then he might give you a flash of brilliance under a new coordinator, and you give him a big deal like the Giants did, and then he goes right back in the tank. That's the most dangerous ground Pittsburgh's on right now. Forget about getting into the playoffs and making a deep run. You have got to figure out what you have in this quarterback because before you know it, it's going to be year three and tough decisions are going to have to be made. And look, you have to get the right coordinator in there to make sure that you know exactly what he is when it comes to evaluating Kenny Pickett. Now, the team has not said that Kenny Pickett is going to miss next week. They're going to evaluate him as the week goes on uh, for the Thursday night game against the Titans, but Minka Fitzpatrick is already back. I do wonder how Will Levis will handle a short week here because, you know, he was brilliant yesterday, but based on what I saw, I could see Will Levis having a big game against Pittsburgh too. It's just the short week factor that really catches it for me. This is going to be a tough game to watch. I'm going to tell you that right now. Thursday yeah. night, Titans, Steelers is going to be a tough one to watch. You know what we'll watch for? What's the that? under. The under. <laughs> That's what we'll watch. Yes. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.